Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hey, it's Adam Sank. And if you like my radio show, you'll love my comedy album, Adam Sank, live from the Stonewall Inn. <gasps> oh my goodness. What? Fellatio? Really? Available on Amazon, iTunes, and Google Play. Warning. The program you're about to hear contains highly offensive and indecent material. Ryan, pull down your pants. <laughs> JB, you start Let's... sucking. The host, a comedian of questionable talent, speaks incessantly on topics of a sexual and scatological nature. I will fuck you, but I will not eat you. I want that fucking dick down my throat while I'm dicking him down. Okay. I hope my mother's listening. Your ass became a rosebud? Yeah, that's because I got dicked down real good. <laughs> he asks questions of his celebrity guests that are highly inappropriate and rude. Which of you has a bigger penis? Oh, that's a good one. That's a fun, good one. Going down on the clitoris? Oh, yes. Oh, I like where you're going with yep. this. For some reason, the word strap-on just comes right out of my mouth, Bianca. Yeah, you said come and strap-on at the same time. And he cannot stop talking about his buttocks. I think your butt is telling you, no mas, por favor. <laughs> this is the Adam Sank Show. If it's in my hand, I'm going to suck it. Powered by DNR Studios. <laughs> and now... The one, the only... Hey, 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 hey. Welcome, everyone. This is Adam Sank, and this is the Adam Sank Show. We are live. We are live two weeks in a row. What the actual fuck? Uh, if you're listening at 11 a.m. on Saturday, March 2nd, 2019 at adamsank.com. It's a great opening to the show. At adamsank.com, call in and talk to us. You can talk to us live at 844-825-5367, but only if you have something truly interesting to say. Leave your ratings and reviews on iTunes and wherever else you listen to this podcast. Email me, me, at adam at adamsank.com and like the Facebook page. Also, this is very important, please donate to my AIDS Walk page. You can get there by going to adamsank.com. I've already raised about $7,000, you guys. I'm trying to raise $15,000 uh, in time for the walk, which is May 19th. So please give what you can. We have an amazing show. JB, this is a, one of the biggest shows we've had in a long time, I think. JB looks shook. Uh, first of all... I am shooketh. Why? <laughs> well, first of all, our, our, our guest is a legend. We have legendary journalist uh, Michael Musto. Michael Musto is someone that I have been... Like, he's been in my life as a, as a presence since I was a child. And he's not that much older than me. He's just been doing this his whole life. He is a fixture in, like, New York City nightlife and wrote for over 20 years for The Village Voice, which was a legendary newspaper and now defunct. Um, he had he, amazing gossip, amazing scoops. He broke a lot of news. And uh, he now writes for New Now Next and a lot of other LGBTQ publications. But he's just a, a fascinating guy. So we'll be talking to him about the Oscars, specifically the, uh, what he thought of this ceremony and also like how the Oscars treat LGBTQ people. Um, but first, I need to interview. I need to interview. I need to introduce. <laughs> I'm fucked up today. 
Uh, my celebrity. All these tongue-tied words. I know. I, I, I'm not awake yet, but I'm, I'm going to introduce our celebrity guest co-host today, a hilarious actor and comedian that you all know and love, ladies and gentlemen. Jeff Hiller is here. Hello, Jeff. Hi. What are you doing here? I was like, oh, Saturday morning at 11 a.m., I need to get on the airwaves. I need attention. <laughs> I might as well stop by DNR Studios. Jeff, it's weird that you're here because I've been a big fan of yours for a long time, but I think this is the first time you and I have actually met. Yeah, but we've been emailing and Facebooking, so I feel... Dick-picking. Yeah, yeah, just like <laughs> filthy things. I hope that wasn't really your body. <laughs> uh, no, that was uh, my father. Oh, good. That uh, makes sense. My, it was just your hand. My 84-year-old father. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, but it's weird, because normally my guest co-hosts are people I've known for a long time. Mm -hmm. I just have wanted you uh, on the show for a long time, and I had an open guest co-host spot, and I thought, why not have Jeff for the whole hour? Oh, well, what a thrill. And Thank you. And here you are, and I've already learned something about you, which is that you are a very tall man. Yeah, I'm huge. 6'5". Mm -hmm. But on social media, it looks like I'm very tiny, doesn't it? And also, you tell people on Grindr that you're 5'8". Yeah. So well, that when you show up, they're like, oh my God. <laughs> um, yeah, my head header is pocket gay. And then I show up and they're like, ah, I'm going to get crushed. You can't fit through the door. <laughs> now, is everything um, age, uh, size appropriate? Is it all, uh, does it? No, no, I have a very minuscule microscopic penis. Yeah, me Just too. the tiniest <laughs> little dick. Doesn't that suck? It's when like you're a nipple. Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> God is so unfair. Well, Jeff, uh, you have a, a lot going on, uh, way more than I do, and uh, <laughs> I understand you are going to appear in a in a huge movie that is just hitting theaters. Tell us about that. Oh yeah, I'm I'm in this new movie called Greta, which I have to tell you is a bonkers movie that is crazy and campy and hilarious and scary. It's about Greta see. Van Susteren, right? <laughs> it is. It is. It's just, the, it's just the videotape of her facelift. <laughs> For two hours. <laughs> no, it's a, it's like a, a comedy thriller, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was intended to be a comedy. I'm not saying that it's bad. It's actually great. It's like truly go see it. It's amazing. But um, it's a thriller. Yeah, it stars Isabel Huppert and Chloe Grace Moretz. Mm. And... I won't give anything away, but it's kind of scary. Can you tell us uh, what part you play? Yeah, I play Chloe's uh, boss at the restaurant she works at. And I had to, um, there's a scene where I had to restrain Isabelle Huppert. Mm. And it was shot, it's set in New York, but it was shot in Ireland. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah. <laughs> I got no uh, excuses for that. Anyway, um, I had to restrain her and this, the stunt director was like, Make sure you don't hurt her now. She's a French legend, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> and and did you hurt her, or were you uh, gentle with Isabel? No, I broke her in half. Oh, <laughs> no, she was fine. Actually, she, in, Isabel she was like, in traction. She was like, I can take more. <laughs> she she was, to me. You yeah, exactly. gigantic man. You gigantic fairy. <laughs> exactly. I don't know why she rolls her eyes. <laughs> Jeff, uh, this is this your first feature film? You've done other feature films, right? I have been in a couple others yeah just drop a few on us come on uh, i was just in this movie on netflix called set it up mm. um basically i just pay like bitchy gay customer service representatives and everything that i'm in i mean it's typecasting yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh is. that's true i'm a real bitchy gay customer <laughs> service representative um and then the big one i was in was in, was called ghost town which was like 10 years ago oh yeah yeah well good for you thank you thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule for this bullshit <laughs> Um, Jeff, I have uh, two questions for you. First, do you follow? First of all, are you you're on Instagram? Yes. Oh hell yeah! At at uh, Jeff Hiller. How can people at Boom Boom Hiller? Oh, 
Okay. The Is that boom, your nickname boom. in high school? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, it was like uh, in high school, I used to say like, boom, boom, for like when I thought something was sort of, sort of sexy. And I've recently discovered that a lot of parents use the term boom, boom for pooping. Yes. My mother used to call it a boom, boom was how she pronounced it. <laughs> okay, great. So I'm bum, boom, or boom, boom, Hiller. <laughs> so well, that's easy to remember. Shit, Hiller. When you're on... <laughs> When you're on Instagram, do you follow thirst traps? I only follow one, but it's Artie. And then I follow lots of comedians who are like, I'm a comedian, but also sometimes I'm accidentally shirtless. Well, that, that would be me. <laughs> I am. Usually my shirtless photos are from the past. Like oh, yeah. When I was hot. I'm like, look at me in when 2004. I was hot. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> look at me when I had abs. <laughs> but you're not one of those people that follows like hundreds of these shirtless, pantsless, muscle gods with their bulging dick and their perfect ass and their boyfriend and all their fuck buddies like you no, know what i'm talking about right no i do know what you're talking about and i don't follow those because i don't um like uh, sometimes I'll, I'll follow them but i always unfollow them and i feel like i can unfollow anybody who has more than twenty thousand followers yeah because they, they won't notice you. exactly and i also feel like um whenever i look at those pictures my husband always says this thing which is we're all going to die whenever you see a picture of somebody like oiled up and perfect abs and stuff. We're all going to die. That's right. And before we die, <laughs> most of us are going to get old and really unattractive. Yes. So, and you have to think that about those people. You think they're always going to have this perfect life. And P.S. They don't have a perfect life now. No. They're just hot. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to be talking to a journalist named uh, Avakai Sher, who wrote a really interesting article that talks about this um, this phenomenon of, of thirst traps that has become a thing over the past few years, and the fact that gay men following them, it could be hazardous to our health. Oh, God. It's a serious thing. So we'll be talking to him in just a little while. But first, we have breaking news. <gasps> uh, this happened uh, yester late yesterday, <laughs> and uh, I knew we had to talk about it on the ass. And I have to give a shout-out to Stephen Cesaro Medina, one of our loyal listeners who sent it to me. Uh, first, let me ask you this. Did you ever work in food service, Jeff? I'm assuming yes, because you're an actor. Oh, yeah. Of course. Are you kidding? So you know how when people order... Uh, to go or delivery, they they pay on their credit card and they tip in advance before the food actually gets there, right? Yes. Well, this happened somewhere, <laughs> and I have to find the story. And uh, it the, it was somewhere not in a city, like somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. And it took thirty minutes for the delivery guy to get to the uh, home uh -huh. of the delivery, and the person who ordered had only tipped eighty nine cents. <laughs> so. Not the driver, but the driver's passenger who was in the car for some reason decided to get revenge. So he dipped his balls into the customer's salsa, <laughs> videotaped it, and posted it to social media. That was, I was like, how did they get caught? And that was dumb. Yes. <laughs> but am I the only one who thinks that it might make the salsa taste better? <laughs> yes, and why i'm also with the people why does he have a passenger in a company car that well not company car but like at his job per se yeah are you not supposed to be working why the fuck can't we're friends okay this happened in tennessee <laughs> thank well, you of course uh, the guy's name is howard matthew webb and he was arrested for alleged adulteration that's the name of the crime of a of a food product uh webb, adulteration. webb was a passenger in the vehicle uh with food that was being delivered for something called dinner delivered which is a very original name <laughs> And, uh, I like the alliteration, though. Yes. And he uh, showed Webb reaching for the salsa cup 
while the driver of the vehicle said, quote, this is what you get when you give an 89 cent tip from an almost 30 minute drive. Webb can be heard saying, oh, oh, it feels good. <laughs> he was charged with adulteration of food, liquids or pharmaceuticals. For now, he remains behind bars with a $45,000 bond and is due in court on March 12th. Dinner Delivered said it has also fired the driver, but the driver was not charged. Well, I'm glad he got fired because you don't know these people struggle. What if that's all they had was 89 cents and they said, I give you this 89 cents. I understand people live off tips, but you don't know my financial struggle. Period. <laughs> well, okay, but it, it is shitty. I mean, I, I do hate bad tippers and I always tip well for this very reason. You don't want to fuck with the people that are handling your food. You don't want to treat them badly and you don't want to tip them badly. Yeah, yeah. Very ballsy of him, by the so way. So ballsy. But I just think of all the things he could have done to the food. I know. Pissed I in it, shit in it, spit in so it. That's so true. It's like there was no... I'm, I'm kind of okay with the balls. I guess it's... Sort of, I mean, it's probably cleaner than than uh, your fingers. Well, maybe Unless not. he has like crabs no, or yeah. like schmegma. Yeah. I don't think so because, okay, that ball area is sweat <laughs> and he's in Tennessee. So, you know, it's sweaty and hot. He probably take a shower or nothing. That's dirt. I mean, they do have winter in Tennessee. It's that not is always a good. Po- I mean, but you're right though. It's like it's a, 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 a an area that is confined. Yes. Right now, our Tennessee audience is going to call in and be like, "It's 40 degrees here today, well, man. It's whatever. not always sweaty here. I take care of my balls." All right. So that I was actually supposed to do that story in the second hour, but I got so excited I couldn't wait. So now okay. we're way behind. This was supposed to be the lead story, and this is a major announcement for the ass. Hit it, JB. Jeff is dancing to the fanfare, and the announcement is that the Adam Sank Show has surpassed 50,000 downloads. And it only took two years. (laughs) Now, just to give you some idea, yes, there are many podcasts that get 50,000 downloads per episode. <laughs> We're not quite there yet, but I am very proud of us for getting 50,000 and I thought the listeners might be interested in knowing uh which of, of the to- of the five episodes were the top 5 so mm. far. Now I've which, noticed a trend. I guess? It, uh sure, but give me one second. Okay. The trend is that they all were around the same time. <laughs> we apparently peaked oh. uh in summer of 2018 and have been on a, a somewhat of a decline since then, but all five of these are around the same time period. So guess what number 1 is? Okay, I, I want to say verbate. It's the one where verbate? Nope. Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. Uh, okay, so I'm going to go with Eileen and Joanne. Uh, no. Ooh. Okay, number one is with Freddie Alanis, the 19-year-old kid who Shut injured his up. windpipe with a 10-inch cock. <laughs> <laughs> and director Michael Mayer, who was promoting Head Over Heels. Uh, yeah, no, by the way, all five of these are about either sex or drag queens. So that tells you something about my listener yeah. base. Number two was Navy drag queen uh, Harpy Daniels, okay. who was fabulous. Yeah, that was a good one. And Navy direct- drag queen? Like the He's color? A, he is a U.S. Navy, US Navy. Oh, oh, active oh, oh. duty drag queen. Oh, that makes more sense. I thought it was just a drag queen who only wore dark blue. No, <laughs> but that would also be fabulous. I mean, that could be her name. She could be like Navy Bean. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Strangely enough, Harpy, I've learned, has an identical twin brother who also does drag. Oh, That's wow. dope. Oh, the Tennessee caller is uh, on the phone now. Uh, <laughs> number three was Lady Synagoga. Oh, I love her. Girl, right? I know Jewish her. Jewish drag queen. Number four was the Best of Ass Summer Special. 
Oh my god, it's this is all rip. happening right when we moved to Zip. Exactly. It's all the new episodes, the, the first episodes after we got here. And number five was Brian Ballone, Mr. GNI Leather. So really, I have a uh, horny, drag-loving yeah. audience. That, wait, that last one surprises me a lot, actually. Yeah, it wasn't, uh, for me, I mean, I love Brian. For me, yeah. there wasn't anything spectacular about that episode. It but wasn't. People... As a producer, it wasn't spectacular about that episode. <laughs> <laughs> But people seem to like the um, the leather. I think that's what it is. My iPad's not working. But, but you can't even see the leather. I know, but just the idea yeah. of like a leather the man, I think, gets people leather. very excited. Do we... Um, JB is trying to fix my iPad. <laughs> JB is trying to fix the, uh, the sound effects because they're not working. It's all right. Don't worry about it. Do we have a caller on the line? Uh, we did. They hung on. <gasps> oh, I'm so offended. All right, Jeff, the other story that has been blowing up social media here in uh, NYC, yes. and you knew about it before I even mentioned it, I is did. that there's a, a sort of a famous um, actor's studio here, a rehearsal studio, an audition studio called Pearl, as in Pearl Necklace Studios. <laughs> and, and it's like a fancy place. It's like where you audition for Broadway shows and stuff. Have you done it? Oh, yeah. Oh. Have I done this? Have you done Pearl? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done Pearl. <laughs> I haven't done... I don't know that I've ever been at Pearl. I've been at the other one. Oh, Ripley Greer? Yeah. yeah. It's kind of the, the low-rent yeah. version. <laughs> but anyway, somebody on Tuesday, February 26th, either a human being or a dog... <laughs> I can't some you other tell animal, the difference. ...left a pile of shit on the studio floor. In, in, a, in a waiting room for the auditions for... What show? Um, the show... <laughs> that is not the right sound effect. <laughs> I mean, it is important, and it is dramatic, but I don't think it deserves a trumpet fan. I actually wish that happened every time I took a shit. <laughs> Can that, you imagine? That would just be a fanfare. <laughs> <laughs> so I looked all over Facebook to get... to get <laughs> There it is. <laughs> to get the poop on this, and I uh, found it uh, on the page of an actress named Gabby Freed. Gabby, if you're listening, call in and tell us more. Um, she said, because the community is buzzing about hashtag ask if shit equity, because <laughs> apparently hashtag ask if it's equity is like a um, yeah, it's a thing, right? Um, Meaning like don't go on a tour that is not that is equity. an equity, right? So the new hashtag is ask if shit's equity. <laughs> I will share what I know of the poop story and the theories. <laughs> On Tuesday, February 26th, around 9.50 a.m., the monitor left the holding room to go get information from casting. When she returned, she took a few steps into the room <gasps> and got the room quiet to announce updated information about shoes, group size, and non-equity. The girl behind her said, um, I think you're standing in shit. <gasps> <gasps> the monitor then loudly proclaimed, I'm standing in shit! <laughs> there were girls with their bags spread out literally next, right next to it. According to people in the room, the smell wafted in, and the monitor said it seemed like an inch deep and not like a log. Her words, not mine. Some very nice dancers cleaned it up, and she got it off her shoe and continued the call. So here are the theories. Number one, someone tracked dog poop in, not likely as there weren't any tracks to the elevator. Two, someone- And if it's two inches deep- Someone's dog, number two, someone's dog came in and took a poop while 100 girls were in the room, <laughs> somehow not witnessing it. Three, some jaded actor was unhappy about the call and picked their poop up and dropped it in the room. Number four, <gasps> someone popped a squat at the entrance to the holding room. And number five, I accidentally sharded 
and did not remember doing it. I was standing right there, then left the room to run down to Mean Girls, <laughs> which is another show that's currently holding auditions. Oh, my God. Caller, you say what? Caller? Hi, it's Charles. Hey, Charles from Cornhole. How are you? I'm fine, and, and welcome Jeff as co-host. That's fabulous. I love you on uh, Unbreakable. Oh, thank you. That's, that, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, Charles, have you ever taken a shit at a rehearsal studio? <laughs> nope, nope. But, but I will say that just like Jeff, I'm six foot five. Ah. And one of these sorts of things where I try to make sure that when I'm doing the grocery shopping or, you know, out in public, that I smile as broadly as possible. Because if I whip around the corner of an aisle and run into some poor little old lady, I'm, I'm scared I might, in, in, uh, in, I might give her a stroke or something. <laughs> I, I feel that. I feel that pain. And do you also have a micro penis like Jeff? <laughs> Actually, no. I'm built to scale. Good for you. My, you you my never knew shoe, this. My shoe size is 16, oh. and it's a, it's Holy a shit. M- yeah, multiple A, so it's long and skinny. I'm tall and skinny. My dick is long and skinny, oh. and you know, it, it, which would be, be it'd be better if I could actually get it fully erect. Oh but my goodness, with, we're learning so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, TMI. I like uh, it. I like that we're being very vulnerable here today. Yes. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, and and Viagra helps, of course. Oh so, yeah, right. So what what you need to do is line up a good Canadian pharmacy. Oh. Yes, yeah, I, I I actually recently ordered Viagra from a UK pharmacy, and it was like a dollar a pill. Now, yeah, I, exactly, exactly. You know, instead of twenty five dollars a tablet, or <laughs> you know, uh, you can get you can get eighty tablets for twenty bucks. Wow, it's one, wonderful. What so, were you going to ask, Jeff? Oh, oh I, okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Charles. No, I'm, I'm just calling in to let you know I love you. I love you too, Charles. Now, here's nope. my question about Viagra. Yes. Because, oh, sure. like, if, like, okay, I don't want to brag, but getting hard is not an issue for me. <laughs> um, but, like, I feel like some people take it not just because they can't get hard, but because it adds something else to the sexual experience. That would is be that me. true? Yes. So, yeah, Adam, Adam is a big proponent of that. I'm not oh. a proponent. I don't, I mean, it, I, Viagra is not good for you. It, it like, is a vasoconstrictor. It raises your blood pressure. You can die if you use it with other drugs. Uh, that said, <laughs> it not only makes my dick rock hard, but it gives me, like, another inch. Oh, my God. Yeah, my dick is much bigger with Viagra than without, and that is why I use it. Wow. Yeah, now, see, I'm, and I don't I, use it every I, time. I trend more towards Cialis, um, and <laughs> in my particular, well, only because of the fact that it's it's got a longer half life. But the other thing is, see, I've I've got uh, uh, artificial heart valves. Oh my god! So yeah, so I uh, the vasodilator is not a problem for me, but just all of the other medications that I take are kind of boner killers. So. <laughs> Well, this has been a fascinating call, Charles. We've yeah, learned more sorry. about you than ever before, but we're going to have to let you go because it is no, time for absolutely. the first of our two guest interviews. Absolutely, and give my best to Mr. Musto. I will. He's here right now listening. So, All right, sweetie. Bye-bye. <laughs> Charles from Cornhole. I thought the next thing he was going to be like, um, I have an artificial limb. <laughs> And uh, my, my skin peels off to reveal a lizard. Like, there was so much information. Oh, I felt like he was... 
who's being very vulnerable. I love Charles. I he's like our, he's our number one fan and oh. our, our, our regular caller. Oh, I love it. All right. Now As you're, now you're gonna get in trouble with the skin peels off. I don't think Michael. I don't think your mic's on. Yeah. <laughs> Musto's not going to wait for his segment. He's just I'm, like, I'm jumping in. Oh, do I need a microphone? Well, now you're going to get in trouble with the skin peeling off in the one limb community. I, they hate me already. Is <laughs> That's this true. That's All right, true. chill for just a sec, because first we got to talk to a phone guest. And as I was mentioning earlier, Instagram has become one of the most popular social media apps of all time. It's got like over a billion users, and it's become a haven for thirst traps and their legion of followers, but could staring at photos of scantily clad, physically perfect men be distorting our own self-images and fucking with our self-esteem? That's the question hmm. that Avakai Cher posed in a new article for NBC News entitled, Are Sexy Gay Instagram Accounts Fueling Disordered Eating? Joining us now on the phone with more on this is the writer of that article, Avakai Cher. Hello. Am I saying your name right, honey? Um, it's, it's actually Avi Chai, which no one can say, so you can call me Avi. I should have known that because I'm a Jew. <laughs> That's okay. Avi Chai. I don't know it either. Shalom, yeah, Avi Chai. I'm the first Jew to get it wrong. Shalom. All right. <laughs> Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom to you, and thank you for waking thank up you. on the Sabbath to speak with us. So tell us, <laughs> first of all, are, are you on Instagram, and do you follow Thirst Traps? Um, yes and yes. Oh. And what gave you the idea to, to pursue uh, this article? Well, it was really when Sam Smith posted that photo of himself, you know, saying that he usually starves himself before showing a shirtless photo or even in a T-shirt. And I looked at the photo and I just thought, well, he looks great. Like, this, is, this shouldn't be that this, someone who looks like this should have to starve himself before, you know, a photo. And You're talking about the pop like, star Sam Smith. Yes, the singer. Yes, that was the, that was the impetus for this. And then, then I kept scrolling my feed and I was like, oh, right, because of all of these people, this is probably why he feels that way. And, you know, all the thirst traps. And then I started looking into it, and, you know, there's been many studies that show gay men suffer from eating disorders at much higher rates than straight men. Um, and, you know, and to start talking to experts to hear more about if they thought this was part of the issue. So what did you actually discover about a possible connection between um, thirst trap following and, and disordered eating? Well, one of the bigger problems with it is that it's, it's not just that they post photos of themselves, it's that it's them with all of their friends who look exactly the same. And often it's, you know, like, here we are at Fire Island, here we are at Mykonos, and it's a sea of guys, usually all white guys with six packs, you know, and it creates the impression that this is what those spaces look like, and if you're going to show up here, you have to look like this if you want to fit in. Yeah, those, um, those pictures and, enrage me because it's like, first of all, not only are they hot, but you're not allowed to be one of their friends unless you're <laughs> similarly hot. Like, they don't have any exactly. ugly friends. And they, right. all, they all look like they're not staged, but they're clearly staged and people are holding their abs tightly and making sure that the light hits them right and they have neg they've vetoed other images and things, right? Right. Yeah, exactly. And also they're usually, you know, being sponsored by someone, either like a bathing suit or something. Right. And so they're not even necessarily picking who's in the photo with them. Sometimes they are, but a lot of times they're not. And, and so, you know, it creates this, this fake idea of what you're supposed to look like. And then people, then you see other people who aren't necessarily the classic thirst traps, but just friends who are like, oh, I'm going to stop eating now because I'm going to Fire Island in a few weeks. And you think it's kind of a joke, but it, for a lot of people it's not a joke. And, you know, when I talked to various eating disorder uh, therapists, they said that, you know, they hear this all the time, that people start obsessively working out before going to a gay spot, you know, like every single day, twice a day. And if they don't, if they're not able to work out, then they don't eat that day, you know, and it's just, it's, hmm. it's not just like, well, let me get in shape. It's like really obsessive, unhealthy, um, crash dieting and, and things like that. Um, 
And I talked to some other guys who basically just said that they had to just get off of Instagram or stop following thirst traps because every time they go on there, they would just trigger these feelings of like, oh, my God, what did I eat today? I can't eat anymore today or tomorrow I have to work out three times harder. And, you know, and, it's, and then from there, it can develop into a more serious disorder. I think that's absolutely right, and I know people who who follow in, who follow thirst traps obsessively, and I, I do think it's bad for their mental health. But my question is, we've always had images of you know physical perfection that we're supposed to emulate, right? Women were dealing mm-hmm. with it for for forever, and when I came out in the early '90s, we didn't even have the internet, but every flyer, every poster, every magazine showed gay men, you know, almost always hairless almost always white mm-hmm. to your p- original point uh, and mm-hmm. and um, and you know young they were always under 40 or under 35 and worked out how is it different how is Instagram different or worse than what we had then well I think it's it's not necessarily different it's first of all it's just more right so we still have all those things mm-hmm. we still have all the gay advertising gay magazines gay media still showing the same thing and now we have Instagram as well which sort of masquerades as a social site, right? It isn't, this isn't necessarily initially identifiable as an advertisement. This is like, oh, this is like friends, you know? And so it sort of bleeds into the space of just your daily life in a way that advertising, at least you could think, oh, well, this is a movie or this person's being paid for this. But then people start to think this is what just everyday people are supposed to look like as well. And it, and it proliferates everywhere, right? There's, there's hundreds and hundreds of these accounts with hundreds of thousands of followers. And so it just becomes it becomes everywhere. You can't, you can't get away from it in a way that maybe you could before. Um, but, but you're right in the sense that this isn't a new phenomenon. It's just, it's kind of just a new frontier really, you know, and it just, it just makes the problem deeper essentially. Well, and I think just like with internet porn, um, people in the old days would maybe pick up a gay magazine, jerk off and put it away and maybe not pick it up again for a week. But now with our phones and our tablets and our, laptops oh we, we have access to this stuff 24 7 <laughs> jeff is like what are you talking about i know <laughs> i've never watched porn yet i'm not familiar with that but <laughs> i've heard i've heard of that um, <laughs> but no you're right i mean how many times a day do you check your social media feed you know on instagram and even sometimes on facebook yeah me too i'm checking it as we you speak know, you, get, <laughs> you get you get sucked into it you know like you pick it up and you just want to you, you have a free second you look at your phone you know and then there's another image and there's another image and you're thinking you know, what did I eat today? Oh, maybe I'll look like that. You know, okay, that starts tomorrow. You know, and it just, it just becomes a constant reminder of sort of making yourself feel bad about what you look like. Has there been any scientific research into this that actually shows a, a, a connection, a clear connection between uh, social media and eating disorders? Um, not for gay men specifically. There, there has been research um, in, in general about it. Yeah, there's research showing that it causes higher anxiety, you know, and other kinds of issues that can lead to eating disorders. Uh, and more for women, there's research um, showing that. Um, but one expert I talked to was just like, you know, well, gay men are basically teenage girls in the way that they've developed about thinking about their bodies. It's like that hasn't evolved past that, like, mean girls type of mentality in some ways, where, you know, like, you want to be popular and you want to sort of prove your worth by how you look. That feels uh, very right. And when she, <laughs> and it did feel right. When she said that, I was just like, oh, my God, I, that is exactly right. You know, like, yeah. I, I can identify with that. Based um, on... And so... Mm-hmm, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, so that research about straight women is, is probably applicable to our community as well. Based, based on what you found in your reporting, Avichai, do you would you recommend that people unfollow thirst trap accounts? I don't recommend that you unfollow all of them. No, I think, <laughs> I think that, no, because, I mean, you, you certainly can, but I wouldn't say 
you better unfollow them all or you're going to get an eating disorder. You know, and that's not it. I think, I think you know, it, they can be fun. You know, like, it's, it's, you have to view it as a fantasy. You know, like, like, this is fun to look at, you know. But then the problem is when Instagram, you know, you follow one, if you push your explore feature, they're going to show you countless others. And that's where you start to get sucked in and you want to follow more and more and you become inundated, you know. I have and them following me. And then I follow them back because I'm like, ooh, this hot guy is following me. And, of course, it's a trick yeah. because two days later they've unfollowed me. Right. Yep. That's, that's and then I feel really they hurt. The followers. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your favorite thirst trap? Uh, me? Yeah. Oh, God. Um, probably RJ Portales. Have you heard of him? No. Yeah, I don't know her. Some blog named him the hottest guy on Instagram, and I would probably say that's not far off. Um, yeah. <laughs> My favorite because, is... Uh, Mm-hmm. DNR Studios uh, fellow host Matthew Camp. I love Matthew Camp. <laughs> oh, if he wasn't so dumb. Oh, he is oh my God, JB. The shade. I find when people are really muscular, it's like they can never really be naked. You know what I mean? When you're just like so cut, like when you take off it's all your like clothes. It's almost like they're still wearing clothes because the muscles are like armor. Exactly. I agree. Avakash, <laughs> uh, how, can, how can people follow you uh, to... to, to read more of your articles sure well if you follow me on twitter it's at avi underscore share um, s-c-h-e-r there s-c-h-e-r that's right um and, and i'm on instagram too i don't have any thirst trap photos sadly for y'all but um yet yet <laughs> yes not yet maybe we'll be looking maybe i'll get there one day yes thank you so <laughs> much you can have me on call me a hypocrite thank you so much for being on the show and uh we hope to have you back uh thanks my pleasure i'll be listening to the rest shabbat shalom <laughs> All right. Well, that was interesting. We're going to do uh, two more quick things, and then we're going to have our fabulous guest segment uh, with Michael Musto. But first, today's cocktails and cock talk story. And now, time for another stupid story from cocktails and cocktalk.com. Yeah, suck my cock. So um, this is a story that caught my eye because it, it, it involved a new word I've never heard of before, Jeff. It's called paint shaming. Oh, sure. Paint shaming. Oh, know? I'm very familiar with this term. I didn't just learn it five minutes ago. <laughs> Apparently, paint shaming is when a bottom is messy and you shame him for it. And this happened with a porn star named Jordan Fox, who's uh, kind of an asshole in any way. He's a <laughs> Trump supporter and Ew. yeah, very controversial. In the, uh, you in guys, the... we cannot follow the thirst traps and the porn stars who are Trump supporters. You just can't. Thank you. I agree. <laughs> um, anyway, he took to social media to publicly shame someone he had just had sex with. He posted a picture of a shit covered condom and wrote, just fucked a guy and look what happened. <laughs> Can't you bottoms clean your ass properly before getting fucked? I am not into scat. And this part was in all caps. Shame on him. Oh, my God. What a monster. He's a monster, right? You know my ex-boyfriend shit-shamed me when we were having sex in an expensive hotel room? I was like, what the fuck? I spent hours, literally hours cleaning out. It's Yo, so unfair. It fucking happens, Sway. It happens. You're and not going to yell at a woman for getting her period when having sex, are you? Thank no. you. That's, and that is my period. I don't actually yeah. know, but I, I do feel like the idea that this person is being super vulnerable, literally allowing you inside of their body, and right. then you're like, ew, a biological function that's completely normal happened. How dare you? Exactly. Is a really... 
That's a shit show. And I think we need to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. I think we need to do away with the term paint shaming and call it shit shaming. It's got lovely alliteration. It's so true. It says what it is. Paint shaming makes it sound like I, I just tried to create art with my shit. Well, is it like the dick is the it? paintbrush and the, the shit exactly, on the tip yes. of it is the paint? I yes. get it. The dick but is then the paintbrush. The, then the painter <laughs> is the guy with the dick. Yeah. And guess what? My asshole is a beautiful canvas, so you're welcome. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's a beautiful pink canvas, ladies and gentlemen. And on that note, our LGBTQ Pride Roundup. Gay Pride is happening oh, all over the world, Jeff. What a weird segue. I know, it's the weirdest segue. We're short for time. Uh, Mardi Gras in New Orleans. Gay Mardi Gras is happening as we speak. It started on uh, February 28th. It goes through March 5th. There's a lot of... Uh, partying and fucking and hopefully no paint shaming going on in new orleans um and then march 8th through 24th it's wellington pride festival in wellington new zealand oh yes i love to put on my wellies and be proud there's a lot of uh, pride festivals in australia and new zealand this part time of the year because oh, it's, it's summer. summertime it's like 115 degrees so. right Right. So you can be shirtless. Yes. And that brings us, what a segue, <laughs> another segue. Our guest today was named one of the most influential LGBTQ people in the country by Out Magazine. So it doesn't count. Which now owes him money. <laughs> irony of ironies. For over two decades. I'd rather his, have my money than be labeled some bogus list. Exactly. <laughs> for over two decades, his La Dolce Musto column in the Village Voice was required reading for anyone who was anyone. Until I was fired. As well as well. And the paper closed. <laughs> laid I, off, laid off. He continues to write provocative articles for a host of websites and publications, including New Now Next. So please give a warm ass welcome to the legendary Michael Musto. Oh, thank you. Thank you. A vision I, in red, by the way. Thank you. Yeah, Mike, you look great. Me too. I mean, this is for women's periods, which are winning Oscars now. It's a real menstrual show now at the Oscars. I just watched that last night because it won an Oscar. I watched period end of sentence. You're such a victim. <laughs> I, I have to tell you, I, I, don't, I thought it was great. I don't know if it's worthy it's of the first Oscar. you heard of periods, actually. Uh, yes. Well, no, I have a, a mother and two sisters. So, um, Michael. And they I, bled up the house. They're <laughs> very, very oh chatty about it, apparently. I just came from Sherwin Williams, by the way. They don't have any of these shades that you're talking about. Any of the paint shaming shades? No, no. <laughs> have just, you ever heard of this term, paint shaming? I've done it, but I've never heard of it. <laughs> 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 You've shamed bottoms. Who are and it is fucking disgusting, but don't put it on Instagram. Or that Twitter. only makes it more disgusting. It's on Twitter. Yeah. If I oh, Twitter. No, Twitter is for like Bernadette Peters and people like that. Right. <laughs> or, or for shaming Trump, not for shaming bottoms. Michael, uh, you recently wrote a very pointed article for New Now Next about the how the Oscars handle LGBTQ people, both characters and actors and roles. First, I want to ask you, what was your general reaction to this year's telecast? I enjoyed it, but I kept waiting for the feel-good moment. It was like seven hours waiting for the feel-good moment of Glenn Close winning, and then she didn't win. Yeah. That was rude. But <laughs> Olivia <laughs> Coleman is terrific and played a queer, but she played a, a lesbian who uses sex for power. It's not a great role model. Three of the four characters that won Oscars for the actors were queer. Oh. And they're all cracked out of their minds. You know, well, Don, Don Shirley was a closet case. That was Mahershala Ali's yes. character. Uh, Olivia Coleman, as I said, is a crazed despot. Right, Freddie Mercury. Freddie Mercury. According to the movie, kissed a guy once, and that was about the extent oh, of his no. love. And it led exactly to AIDS, right? There, <laughs> oh, the AIDS was like a light cough. <laughs> there was more gay sex than just that. I mean, there was not. There, I saw it. I mean, not. He, he kissed two guys chastely. No, but there were like orgy scenes where it was clear that there was a lot of sex no. going on. There was the leather bar scene. I mean, he, he was depicted as a sexually active gay man but i guess i missed the fisting to and your the pain point shame. but to, <laughs> to your point though 
Oscars. That would have won him a gold <laughs> statue too. <laughs> the Oscars seem to love when, first of all, when LGBTQ people are played by straight actors, and also yes. when those characters meet a tragic end. They love victims. Of course, Freddie Mercury died. Uh, they love closet cases like Don Shirley. They love psychos like Olivia Coleman's character. They don't. Yeah, Sean Penn is the exception. He played a hero, but it was him. First of all, he was a victim because he got killed, right. Harvey Milk. But also it was Sean Penn's uh, very screaming hetero image that helped him get the award. Oh, it's acting. He's right. really straight. As if a gay person playing gay isn't really acting. Really? They're not playing themselves. And plenty of straight people have won Oscars for playing straight people. So why is that acting? Yeah, I mean, I, get, I totally get your point, and I think it's valid. At the same time, if you look at the history of LGBTQ people in the world, it's not like a happy story. So if you're going to show a Don Shirley in, in the 60s in the Deep South, of course he's going to be closeted. It would be inaccurate to have any but other I'm, kind of character. But, but they're drawn to those stories. They're, uh, you're, I'm sorry. You're crazy to say <laughs> that the history of LGBT stories is all negative. Not all I negative. Disagree. I'm I also a ball for the second I burst out of my mama's pussy. Right, and what? I also feel like it, you. There are a lot of gay actors. It's not like actors and actresses are not queer. You know what I mean? It's not like it, it's not like trying to it's not like difficult to find a it's not like finding a gay construction worker where it's like we gotta look a little bit like <laughs> you you toss you toss a ball down broadway you'll get you 25 gay actors yes no i mean here's jeff hiller he's here to play all of your <laughs> i'm closeted all of your bitchy gay customer service rep roles <laughs> exactly but it's the same reason they won't cast trans people to play trans characters right. in leading roles Oh, oh, well, first of all, they're not stars. It's because the business won't make them stars. Exactly. You won't give them the opportunity to become names. And secondly, they're not acting. Yes, they are. Uh, you know, if a, if a female-to-male transgender had played uh, Brandon Tina, they would still be acting. Of course. But again, I look at Jared Leto in Dallas Buyers Club, and I look at Felicity Huffman in Transamerica, and I can't help but feel like they were great performances that did a lot for the trans community, even though the trans community may be like, fuck you, we don't want straight but cis just, cisgender straight actors playing our, our, our characters. I, isn't it important that, that they were played well and sensitively? But and, we're and past with, that. We've gone through that phase. Thank true. you, straight people. Thank you, cisgender people. You know, you just, you're, you think, why that's can't we play archaic? ourselves? Yeah. Yeah, we're way past that. People are fed up. And Scarlett Johansson dropping out of that role that was, was, the right thing to was do. a great move in the right direction. Though I haven't heard another word about that movie being made. Yeah, exactly. We're, so, yeah. We're constantly told how liberal Hollywood is. Why is it that the, the Academy seems to hold on to these old ways and these old tropes if they're so liberal and so progressive? Because the voting pool changes, but it's still stuck in the past. Look at all the talk about diversity this year. Yes, there were more African-American winners than ever. But what won Best Picture? And mind you, I loved it. I saw it four times. Green Book, which is a racism story told from a white point of view. I still haven't seen it. I have to say, every white person I know says it's a fantastic movie. And I don't know a person of color who's actually seen it. There you go. So uh, have you seen it, JB? Green Book? I refuse to watch any black stereotypical movie that's being produced by white people because it won't tell factual and it won't be true to me. But you know like, what? The Spike Lee movie had a lot of baloney in it and it had a white hero of racism, the Adam Driver character. He's the one who got nominated. I was thinking that too. Let me ask you this, JB. Did you watch The Help? I watched Help with my mother. That, that's, I feel like that was different because like, me and my mom was trying to bond at that moment and that's the <laughs> reason why I watched Help. <laughs> like, I watched Roots. 
Like I, I uh, <laughs> the roots is based on a book by Alex Haley. Who yeah, and like that was wasn't, writing from his own history. I, I read the book and I did enjoy that. To to say, I read I read the help after watching the movie, and I feel like if I read it, I wouldn't have watched it. Really? So, yeah, you found it offensive. I did. Like a great, great Viola Davis won an award for, it, but. That's another thing. They, but just like they love these sad gay stories, that. they love, let's show one more time, black people as slaves or maids. Exactly. I haven't gotten past this point already. Don't we know our fucking history? At we least do. they cast black people in the roles. <laughs> just to demean them, and which is why I don't watch them, because I feel demeaned. It's like the only time we get cast in the roles is as slaves or as a make-fun character or a gangster or a thug. I am so fucking over it. But then you have a movie like Green Book where you have a, a, an educated, accomplished, talented black man who is sort of like the, the classy character, whereas Viggo Mortensen is the, the dog, the, the trashy character. And, and African-American people are up in arms because, again, the Viggo, Morton character, Viggo Mortensen character is seen as sort of like the, the hero of the story. And the Mahershala Ali character is the one that needs saving. I think they both change each other. They both evolve in the course of the film. But it's told from the Viggo Morton character's son's point of view. He wrote the screenplay. They didn't even contact Don Shirley's family, who said a lot of it was baloney. Don, uh, they said Don Shirley would never be friends with any of his employees. And they don't really treat uh, the gayness at all, right? Is, is it barely No, mentioned? they do. I mean, tune me out right now if you don't want a spoiler, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Don Shirley gets busted out of why he's having sex with a white guy. Oh, my. And Vigo pays off the cops to get him off the hook. And the cool thing about Vigo's character, I don't know if this is real, he just tells him, that's all right, Don. You know, I work in showbiz, and it's a complicated life. And the Vigo character never brings up again or never mocks him. He even hugs him. He sleeps in the same room with him. It never comes up again as an issue. Hmm. So that's cool. What the real story is, I have no idea. Do we ever get to see Vigo Mortensen's penis? That's the thing I'm most uh, concerned with. Yes, you do. Really? And it looks like he's been paint-shamed. Oh, no. <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> oh, dear. Michael, what the fuck it's is happening? The, the new blackface is really paint-shamed dicks. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I'm not going to go there. Michael, you were recently quoted in a New York Times article uh, about Out Magazine. Yes. Because Out Magazine is going through some shit right now where in they are apparently they have stopped paying freelance writers, including one Michael Musto. Well, so wait, what the I, hell's going on? There? I am owed from 2017. I'm owed the same amount that Jesse Smollett paid the two brothers. So I think, <laughs> I'm thinking of hitting him up and throwing some sparkling water on his shirt. Um, they are paying off a lot of people now because of the uproar. Uh, there has been a group grievance. There have been articles in the Times and the New York Daily News, etc. I'm not one of the people who's gotten paid yet. And it's a lot of passing the buck that, well, it was McCarthy Graham that owned it at that point. They were supposed to pay you. Right, we paid them. There was we, a change in ownership at out that yeah. that out is claiming is the cause of this so basically mccarthy grand was supposed to pay me aaron hicklin who was my editor at the time said i'll pay you out of my own pocket in installments he paid me one installment then dropped the ball totally incommunicado and now pride as of last november said oh we're taking responsibility pride media yeah it's the last i heard so what what do you think is really going on I think they inherited a company with a lot of debts, and I think they're going to have to take responsibility, and they say they are. Uh, and even in, if someone took them recently to small claims court, they, they sued Pride Media and Grand. Grand didn't show up, so they lost by default. Pride actually lost, and the judge said, well, Pride is responsible. So that's, uh, I think, a harbinger of the fact that they're going to have to take responsibility for everyone. 
Who how is much, owed? How much money could it possibly be? I mean, you just said it's you're owed $3,500. If you add up all of the money that's owed, it can't be more than, what, a couple hundred grand? You don't make a lot of money writing freelance articles. Well, for like a I magazine. say, they have been paying off a lot of people. What's left, according to the lawyer who's organizing the group grievance, is a hundred thousand dollars from I think about forty. Oh no, yeah, forty writers or so. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but the the amount was a hundred thousand. Have you re- do you read Out Magazine? Anyone in this room? I don't anymore. No, no map. <laughs> to me, to me, it's just a nonstop fashion pictorial. I I can't find an article in it. It's not nothing but ads for Gucci and Masani and and so forth. Surely they have a hundred thousand dollars that they can use to settle this. I get it for free in the mail, and well, I still me don't read it. Yeah, but I worked for actually the website out dot com, and I'm very happy at New Now Next. Um, they treat me well. Good. I, I've never heard complaints from any of their employees. I just can't figure out who out is for anymore because i i'm someone like i actually read and i used to read the advocate and i used to read out and then i got to a pl- place in my life where i was like neither of these magazines are doing anything for me well they have a new editor philip Picardi, who came from teen vogue and he did a great job there remember how political they were mm-hmm. so i'm not sitting around going oh i hope they die oh they they're useless i don't think they're useless at all i think they're very vital and i think lgbt media by lgbt people is very important yes because it's from our point of view i'm rooting for them to uh, you know, succeed and to pay off everyone. And when that <laughs> happens, maybe one day in the future I would even work for them again. But you won't now. No. <laughs> I, I work for New Now Next and Out owes me money. Why would I work for Out? Michael, we want you to write 10 more articles for us and uh, the check is in No, not that kind of whore. <laughs> I want to ask you, and I'm sure you're sick of talking about him, uh, about Michael Ailig. Ugh. I know. Just pick any other topic, please. I, well, quick I would question. rather talk about pain shaming. Quick, quick question. <laughs> when he was released from prison in 2014, you wrote an open letter to him, based, which was very sharply worded, where you basically said, like, not only did you kill Angel Melendez, but you killed New York Nightlife, and you better be worthy of your, uh, of your release and, and really work to atone. I'm paraphrasing what was much pithier. Have you heard from him or seen him since his release? Well, he was begging me at that point to have lunch, and I thought, I don't know, I was taking care of my mother at that point, and I, I had such mixed feelings about it. But then I thought, well, I offered to mentor him. So when the offer came to be in this crazy indie film, Vamp Bikers, that Michael was uh, had a part in, I agreed to do that. And um, I don't know, he was still crazy, Michael, but like he had a stack of DVDs of murder movies. It's so creepy. And he was like showing them off to me, but he always did stuff like that to get my attention, to irk my ire and stuff. So I thought, well, same old Michael, just up to his old tricks. For listeners who might be too young to remember this, uh, Michael Musto was instrumental in breaking the the party monster story. Um, really, the first journalist who wrote about it, right? I mean, and and you knew all the characters personally. I wrote when Michael called me saying he had been locked out of his apartment, he was fired from Limelight. And he blames all these other factors. And then uh, someone told me uh, the the information about the murder the, or the alleged murder at that point. And I, I inserted a line about the missing person. And then two weeks later, I did a whole blind item, which everyone knew what it was about, uh, giving the details, which involved a hammer and pillow and um, throwing the body into the river. And it sadly was all very true. It's an mm. un- unbelievable story. That I had just moved to New York when all that was happening. So I was it, for me it was like a primer on like, okay, what's the limelight? Who's Michael A? Like I was it was like mm. teaching me everything that was going on. Do you think that he is a sociopath? 
I would guess you would say that, yeah. I mean, you could probably go to psychopath. Yeah. I, I, murder is, I think, beyond sociopath. Even so, if you're fucked up on heroin and K. And oh, a lot of people I know have done drugs. They never killed and dismembered anybody. Mm. <laughs> I mean, Jeff. Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Hi, Jeff here. I yeah. did once. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but the guy was totally asking for it. Uh, Michael, you have been covering New York nightlife since the 80s, yes? Oh, no, the 70s. Since the 70s. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to make you a little younger. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> what do you see as the biggest changes? Oh, my God. There are so many challenges to nightlife, not just the club kid murder, but uh, obviously the zoning and the fact that community boards have so much power and will do anything to stop a club from getting a license to open. You know, it's all, we've all turned into these old people who don't want the place across the street to be too noisy. And uh, in addition to that, the Internet and the hookup apps are the biggest challenge because mm. – you can have fun just on Facebook. You could get laid just on Grinder, and nobody goes to a club or bar anymore to hook up. That right. used to be the main motivation for a gay bar. It was for me. I would go be specifically so I could bring someone home. And now, on the rare occasions that I walk into a gay bar, everyone's on their phone. No one's even looking up. They're yeah. standing with their friends, and every person in the group is on their phone. And every bar has a drag show, which is great, you know. But that's their way of trying to keep you there, give you a reason to go. You get maybe cheap drinks, and then you see a drag show. For me, the biggest difference... Cheap in air quotes. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Bottom shelf. For, for me, the biggest difference, aside from the apps, which really, I think, have destroyed gay nightlife, is that there are a lot of sex parties now. Like, there's a lot of parties that are specifically just check your clothes, come in, you know, walk around in your underwear, and we're just going to allow sex to happen. Where do you find those? Oh, my God, they're everywhere, <laughs> Okay. You know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me take you back to the 70s when gay sex was everywhere. Yeah. This was after Stonewall. This was before AIDS. And it was not only in bars like uh, the, the, the stud. It was called the International Stud, right. where the Harvey Firestein play is based. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was literally in abandoned trucks in yeah. the West Village. It was literally on the pier. There was a club called the Glory Hole, which was exactly what it said. Just... <laughs> no, no room for subtlety in the 70s. No, I no think, false but advertising. But I think we're back there. I think now with PrEP and with uh, good HIV meds, I feel like we're right back there. Um, and I and I there's some in some ways I think that's a great thing and in some ways I'm like well we're just waiting for the next big microbe. To well come now along. you're seeing all these twinks huh. running around on prep going I just got gonorrhea how did that happen It's like because prep doesn't prevent gonorrhea. Exactly, Michael. In the time remaining, it's time to play everyone's favorite game. <laughs> Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Ask me no questions. Yeah. Who's the cuntiest celebrity you ever met? Bianca Del Rio. <laughs> yes, a multiple guest. <laughs> and on she the gets Adam paid section. for it. But I mean for real, not oh someone. for real. Um. Madonna. Really? Yeah. And I met her before. She was pre-Madonna, as it were. <laughs> she was already a cunt. Oh, my God. She acted like she was Madonna. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't you feel like that's part of her success, is that she's had this incredible yeah, ego? Yeah, that she walks all over people. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't get along well with British actors like Christopher Plummer. They always are like, just get, <laughs> get away, queer. <laughs> He's queer? No, he's saying to be a getaway. Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, that's the exact quote. Well, Ian McKellen. Christopher Plummer said that? (gasps) No, no, no. With his eyes. Captain Von Trapp. Get away, queer. I mentioned Saudi music. That's what pissed him off. Why would that piss you off? He he hates it. He thinks it's treacly garbage, and he didn't get points in it is the main reason. Uh, it's He feels about Sound of Music the way you feel about Michael A. Lake. As soon exactly. as someone brings it it's up, the you're, first like, question, you're like, ugh. <laughs> what was the greatest nightclub in the history of New York? 
Studio 54. Really? Which was the ultimate 1970s disco. It came at a time when the country was depressed. We were even more disillusioned with the government than now. There was Watergate, Vietnam. And New York was in shambles. They called it Fun City, but it became ironic. It was a mess. And out of the blue, like a mirage, came Studio 54. It was this incredible old TV uh, studio. Do you think it would have been as fun without the Coke? I never did Coke. I had so much fun there. I never Not did you, drugs. but I'm saying... No, I know. It's, it, you could have so much fun there without doing drugs. I didn't even find out till years later. In the basement is where Liza was doing Coke. <laughs> I had no idea. I was having so much fun dancing to, you know, I will survive. <laughs> And I did survive. Well, thank God. Okay, I'm going to give you an F. Mary Kill. And this is a Trump co-conspirator edition. Hmm. Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, Roger Stone. Oh, wow. Paul Manafort. Uh, I, would, I guess I would uh, marry Michael Cohen. Why? I guess because he's a whore. <laughs> uh, I would fuck. What does Paul Manafort look like? He's, he looks like Mr. Big from Sex and the City. After a bender. Yeah, if he like melted like a candle. He looks and like what Chris does Roger Stone look like? Hideous. Like an okay, old I'll queen with Manafort. a bad toupee. I'll fuck Paul Manafort and I'll kill Roger Stone. That is the correct answer. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> you got it right. I'm glad I thought it through. <laughs> Thinking back over your entire career and nightlife. <laughs> is what, it over? What, <laughs> as, uh, as your life flashes before your eyes, Michael, what has been the most exciting night of your life? Oh, 10 years ago, I had this party. So talk, about, talk about Out Magazine. This is the first time Out Magazine owed me money. Plus, they had a book division that was supposed to put out my book. And the book company had just frozen. They weren't putting out any books, but they were lying to the authors and saying, yeah, your book's coming out in two weeks. I had a big book party uh, planned, hosted by Joan Rivers and Michael Urey. Wow. And I had to change it at the last minute. I was like, the book is not coming out. I made it my 25th anniversary of The Voice Party. And it became the most extraordinary party at 235th Avenue. It was like a whole level plus a rooftop. Bianca Del Rio, all these people in full drag at 830 at night. (laughs) Joan Rivers gave this whole speech. You know, Village Voice, give Michael Mustard a raise. They fired me the next day. And uh, (laughs) that's how much clout she had. But it was just a magical night where everyone I'd ever met or written about was there to pay homage to me. It was such a fucking ego boost. It's like Truman Capote's black and white ball if you had been Truman. With Bianca Del Rio With instead Bianca. of Jackie Kennedy. Exactly. Well, and, which is a huge <laughs> and that's improvement. Like. It's a thin line. What's the filthiest thing you ever personally witnessed covering New York Nightlife? Oh, well, I think you mentioned the mine shaft. That was the disgusting <laughs> yet kinky uh, 70s sex club. It was really raunchy and hardcore. And there was a bathtub. And some guy would just lay in the bathtub naked and people would gather around <laughs> and relieve themselves. It was like cheers. Piss and piss. <laughs> Everybody knew your uh, your smell. It, piss or shit or both. Is this a truth or dare? What would ha- no? What would ha- that's in, not the, in, in the bathtub. That's not a new question. Oh, in it, the it really bathtub. Was, and nobody. If you went for number two, nobody would said, "How dare you!" But nobody did. So there was no paint shaming going on. <laughs> uh, pick one, Michael: Judy, Barbara, Liza, Madonna, or Gaga. Oh, Judy. Judy is the queen of us all. I, no, Liza's Judy's daughter. You're not going to pick somebody's daughter. Uh, yeah. Jeff, what's your name? Madonna answer? needs a stepladder to sniff Judy's ass. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm, 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 pre- I'm team Judy, too. JB. Thank you. I, I have to go with Judy. Judy would be my number one, except Barbara's had more longevity. So I think I got to give it to Barbara. So you're going to p- penalize Judy because she died because well, yes. Louis B. Mayer put her on pills and booze. I don't blame her, but we don't. We didn't get to see what she would have done as an older woman the way we have with uh, we did. With <laughs> Honey, we did. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I've seen the outtakes from Valley of the Dolls. True. 
Michael she Bustow was brilliant to the end, Judy, and she, no matter what she went through, she picked herself up and got better and better. There was no wall towards the end. She just was magical. We have to have you back so we can talk more about uh, paint shaming and uh, Judy and all <laughs> and the, Michael Ailing. Michael Ailing. <laughs> How can people follow you on the interwebs? Oh, on Twitter, um, uh, Mikey Musto, and Facebook. Just find me, though I'm at my max. Though I have a Facebook, I have a fan page. I tried friending you, and I was rejected for you know because well, of your max. Yeah, I blocked you actually. <laughs> and uh, Instagram, I am Mikey something. Does anyone call you Mikey? I don't even know. Must have 184. No. It's kind of ironic. I follow you on Twitter and you're very funny. There you go. Jeff Jeff Hiller, how do we follow you? Boom, boom, Hiller across all platforms. And you're going to be back with us, not (laughs) next week, but you're going to be back in two weeks because the schedule is all funky. We're going to be live next week and then we're going to be recorded with Jeff Hiller in two weeks. Next week, we're going to be live with co-host Joanne Filan and Michael Rice, the director of an important new documentary about meth use. Among gay men of color, subscribe to Derek and Romaine at DerekandRomaine.com. Follow me, me, on Twitter and Instagram at Adam Sank. Email me at Adam at AdamSank.com. Michael Musto, Jeff Hiller. Does it get any better than this? And Jeff and I were in a live version of Showgirls together. Shut the fuck up. (laughs) Well, we should have talked about that for the whole hour. (laughs) All right. I love you guys. Thanks for being here and have a great week, bitches. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.